And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Faith, deeply rooted and tested by fire. In many respects, that really describes the life and ministry of our guest today. We're uh, very pleased to have join us on the program, the senior pastor of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ, located in East Palo Alto, California, Pastor Albert Macklin IV. And Pastor Macklin, what a joy to have you join us. Thank you so much, my brother. It is just an honor and a privilege, and I'm humbled to be here with you today. And thank you so much for this awesome opportunity. There is much to share today from your heart, your life experience, and certainly from God's Word that I think our listeners today will find encouraging, challenging, and uplifting. And boy, certainly these days, we need a lot of that encouragement and that uplifting. There's a there's a changing world around us that certainly is very different, I, I would imagine, even, Pastor, from when you got involved in ministry. Uh, you were called, I understand, as you graduated from San Jose Christian college in the early 2000s, but your roots in ministry go back much deeper than that. In fact, uh, there's a bit of a, shall we say, family legacy here. Tell us a bit about some of your deep roots here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, Our roots go back um, to the 50s. My father and mother moved here with my mother's family in the 50s from East Texas. And in 1950, they settled Um, here in the Bay Area, a little town called San Mateo. And um, my older siblings, my mother and and father, uh, her side of the family, her sisters and brothers, um, uh, uncles and aunts moved from East Texas to start ministry here. They came here solely to start ministry with the Church of God in Christ in the San Mateo area. They were one of the first pioneer churches of Kojic uh, here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, they were piloting a ministry there um, under the leadership of a gentleman by the name of B.B. Alexander, who was connected to um, Bishop E.E. E. H- uh, Hamilton in San Francisco. And so from there, my mother was saved, my father was saved, um, and so many of our family members, aunts and uncles, began ministry out of that church. Even my brother, Bishop Macklin from the Glad Tidings Church, was saved there in San Mateo. And then we just began to spread abroad. And from my mother's family, there's pastors on her side of the family, of course, her uncle. And then my father got saved and whose family really did not know the Lord uh, in fullness. And from that, uh, his brothers and sisters got saved. They became pastors and deacons and leaders in the church. And so our family goes a long way in um, in the Pentecostal church and the holiness movement. So this is really multi-generational. And, and it sounds like from that initial church plant along the peninsula there in San Mateo in the early 1950s, uh, the, these deep roots uh, not only have gone through the East Bay and certainly along the peninsula and where you pastor down in, in East Palo Alto area, um, but, but across through the family. So there's multiple generations yeah. here that are involved to this day in full-time ministry. And from this day, my brothers and sisters, I have brother-in-laws, I have sister-in-laws, um, my goodness, nieces and nephews, our family line is in the church. Uh, so it seems like the Lord's hand was on our life from the beginning for this purpose and for his will here. And so we're just grateful that the Lord has saw fit to use us. It wasn't, it wasn't because of our name. It was just because of the Lord's selection. It was nothing to do with us. So that dynamic of what we would traditionally call a calling, 
is still very much a part of your life story. And I ask that question, Pastor Macklin, because some say, well, this is kind of a dynastic ministry family where there's many generations, deep roots, as we mentioned earlier. And so it almost becomes a given that the grandchildren or the sons would go into full-time ministry. But where was the point for you in your own spiritual walk when God quickened to your heart that this too was going to be your destiny to be in full-time ministry? You know, my brother, um, probably just like every um, family whose father pastors, majority of the children say when you're raised in a strict home, when I get grown and of age and I leave home, I'm not going to church ever again. You know, <laughs> we were that family Monday through Sunday church. You know, if it wasn't choir rehearsal, it was pastors teaching. It was a revival. You were working at the church, helping your father do this or that. And so I'm sure I'm just like any other pastor's kid. They call him PK. We said that when we get grown and I leave the house, I'm never going back to church again. And for some reason, for me, um, the Lord had a plan for my life from the beginning. Um, I was born with a rare case of glaucoma. Um, and from my early childhood, elementary to junior high, a lot of vision issues. And toward high school, it began to really deteriorate. And then toward my early 20s, I ended up losing my vision. And it seemed like the Lord had his hand on me from a child, um, kind of like what the Lord tells the prophet, in your mother's womb, I formed you. And it seemed like um, the Lord already had a purpose for me um, before I was even conceived. And the, even though I tried my best to get away from it, the Lord uh, had a way of making sure that my life would be given to him and his will. And from my circumstance of vision loss in the early 90s um, and losing both of my eyes, uh, going blind due to glaucoma, um, it seemed like the Lord early on would, would, would nudge me, even through junior high and high school. I could feel the nudging of the Lord, not so much because of my vision, although the Lord used that, but I can sense even in my dreams and in my sleep and in my time alone, the Lord's voice nudging me and trying to run from it, trying to detour from it. Glory to God. It seemed like God would put the heat on that uh, no matter what you do, you're going you're gonna to do this. You're going to, you're going to do whatever this call is on your life that I have for you. And um, the Lord just began to work. Things just began to work out. And I told the Lord when I had a surgery circumstance that went haywire in California Pacific Hospital in the 90s, I told the Lord in my bed of affliction, if you'd make a way for me to get trained, I will serve you. I don't want to serve uh, not knowing what my call is and, and being sharpened. Uh, I want to be able to be trained. And that was my prayer. I had, had a horrible hemorrhage in a surgery where I hemorrhaged for nine days and I bled and the doctors there couldn't stop it. They never seen nothing like it. Uh, where the blood was just, it was crazy my, uh, in my eyes. And um, on that on that bed of affliction, uh, I was really seeking the Lord and, and what to do and saying yes to the Lord. And there was a knock on my door one morning uh, there in the hospital in California Pacific through those nine days. There was a, a knock on the door and the door swung open and in comes this little lady by the name of Bishop Ernestine Reams. And Bishop Ernestine Cleveland Reams walked in my hospital room and said, the Lord sent me here. Mm, glory to God. I hadn't talked to this woman in a long time. And uh, she said, the Lord sent me here and laid you on my heart and told me to get here and tell you God's going to use your life. That woman prophesied to me and spoke into my life and said, whatever the Lord has for you to do, you say yes. Glory to God. 
And she prayed and anointed me and prayed over me and sat there and ministered. And um, after she left, it seemed like the Lord just birthed the yes, Lord, in me. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't have trials and tribulations and, amen, trying to uh, buck against it, amen. But there was a birthing at that day. And let me tell you, amen, I began to say yes, and God made ways, sent me to school, got my degree from San Jose Christian College, and the rest is history. And, um, you know, a lot has transpired. Uh, The beginning of COVID, I had to have both of my eyes removed and taken out, and uh, new plastic prosthetics made. Glory to God. But it's still, the Lord's will must, must be done. The Lord's will must be done. And so I'm just grateful, um, you know, through all of that has transpired in my life, I still feel like God is doing something great. And I'm, I just want to be used of God and just I'm willing to say yes, whatever that means, whatever that takes. I'm willing to say yes to the Lord. Our conversation today with Pastor Albert Macklin, the fourth senior pastor of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ in East Palo Alto. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. With us today is the senior pastor of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ, Pastor Albert Macklin. Well, pastor Macklin, let's pick things up where we left off just prior to the break. Scripture exhorts parents to train up a child in the way he or she should go, right? We're all familiar with that passage of Scripture. Yeah. I, I'm struck by you You bring up the, the name of Ernestine Cleveland Reams, and of course, she's the daughter of um, Bishop E.E. E. Cleveland, who yeah. had a impactful ministry for decades in Berkeley? Um, there, as I recall, at um, trying to remember the name of his church, and it was on Al- Alcatraz, Alcatraz Avenue in Berkeley. I think it was yes. Ephesians Church. Ephesians Church of God in Christ. That's it. And yes. of course, there's another. There's another man who has left an indelible mark on not just his family, but on the San Francisco Bay Area. And and so I'm curious, as much as you mention her, and I'm familiar, of course, with the tremendous impact that her dad had on her life and ministry, how much of that is also evident in your own life in terms of the impact of your parents on you and the eventual direction that God took you in? Let me tell you, my dad's life was such an example of faith. And uh, my dad was saved through the life of my mother and her family. Um, my dad, uh, mama would say, was kind of like a party guy. And um, my mom tells the story that on Saturday night, my dad would love to go to the club. He would love to go partying. And um, the older saints taught my mother how to win him toward the Lord. And on Saturday nights, my mother would iron his clothes and set his clothes out for him to go to the club and tell my dad, go and have a wonderful time. And there was one particular night that she did that and ironed his clothes and uh, sent him on his way and told him, have a wonderful time. And my father's story is that that night when she said that, something pricked his heart and he left to go out. And it wasn't long that he turned around and came back and asked for a Sunday school book and a Bible. And he studied the Sunday school and Bible lesson for Sunday and went to church. And the presence of the Lord was so strong. Uh, that his story is that as the saints were rejoicing and praising the Lord, he seen this older lady dancing in the Holy Ghost. And he said, when I looked at her dance in the presence of the Lord, it looked like her feet never hit the floor. Mm. And I told the Lord, Lord, if that is real, I want to feel it. And he says, when they opened up the altar call for prayer for unbelievers, he said, it seemed like the altar was a mile away. But he got up and walked and he said from the back, by the time he got to the front, the power of the Lord touched his life. And the rest is history. 
Glory to God. And my father's always demonstrated faith in, our, in his family. He's always demonstrated faith in his life. There was even a time my father working for a refrigerator as a repairman broke his back. And my father walked hunchback for three years. And it was a Bible study night that uh, the pastor, B.B. Alexander, asked at the end of church for benediction, is there anybody wants prayer? And my father got up and walked in front of the altar and uh, Elder Alexander didn't even come down. He just reached over the podium and laid his hands on my father's forehead and anointed him with oil. And my father stood straight up. My God. And all I know is that my father's demonstrated uh, a man of faith, my mother and my father. And uh, they told us growing up, you might not be saved now. But as long as you live in this house, you're going to act like you say. And so even though we might not have confessed with our mouth, amen, in the house, we had to act like they live. And, uh, you know, when we leave the house, you represent this family, you represent the Lord. And, and so they've always instilled in us the life of holy living, of faith unto the Lord. That's all I know. And so there was no getting away from it. And they did instill the scripture, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, you may depart, but you won't go far from it. You won't go far from it. And it is just something that the seed of my mother and father that have planted in each one of us that it, you can't shake it. You know, with the boys, my daddy always said, you know, I'm not raising no ball players. I'm not raising you to, to, to do this and do that. I want some Isaac and Jacobs and Abrahams and preachers and prophets. He just instilled that in us. And, you know, we ran and tried to do what we wanted to do. But for some reason, that voice and that seed, the spirit of the Lord was in us. And so my father played a great role. I traveled with him. Uh, he picked me up for church all the time when I moved out. Um, you know, I was at church during the day, especially when I lost my vision. I would be at church every day with him and uh, did not know what God was fully going to do. I wasn't really aware of it. And I was his musician. I played the organ for him. I played Hammond with my sister, Renita, who played praise and worship for Bishop Reams. And uh, she also played for Kenny Foreman for years there at uh the uh, Cathedral, Cathedral of Faith. Faith yeah. yeah, she played there as his minister of music for years. And then she also helped Bishop Ernestine Reams as well as my brother, Bishop Macklin. And so, um, you know, all I've known is that seed has been in there. You know, that seed has been there. And, I, and from that, I went from being my father's musician straight to pastoring, you know, straight to pastoring. And so um, for some reason, I can't shake it. Even today, if I wanted to, I couldn't run from it. Well, and I think perhaps a big part of that, you've kind of around the periphery alluded to this, that I would suspect a huge portion of what not only God did in your own life, but in your father's life before you, is a result of a praying wife and a praying mother. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you, my mother was a praying somebody. Glory to God. She was, you know, wake you up in the middle of the night and say, get up. I had this dream and the Lord showed me this. And let me tell you, she'd be right on point, mm. you know. And um, my mother uh, was kind of like the backbone of that of, of that home. When daddy was gone, you know, she led the, she was there at church leading the noonday prayer. She was over Bible band and different women's work. Um, and so she was right there. They were like a team. Dad and mom both were like a team. And growing up, our home um, was open to the work of the Lord. You know, I came up during a day that um, when the pioneers of Church of God in Christ, Bishop Blake and, and others, Bishop Winbush and uh, Bishop Gordon and so many of the pioneer bishops um, would, would come to the Bay Area, they would stay in our home. 
You know, they would come and preach a revival somewhere or at our church. And uh, that was during a time where the guest preacher would stay in the home of the pastor and would serve that family and would help that pastor work uh, the needs of that ministry. And and so all that they've demonstrated to us was ministry in the, in the Lord's work. That, that's all I know. I don't know anything else but other than doing the Lord's work. So what's the message here from your perspective? Uh, for a parent that's eavesdropping on our conversation right now, Pastor Macklin, who says, you know, I, I get what you're saying. We've taken our kids to Sunday school, spent time with them, uh, praying. We've tried to instill in them family values, respect for God, country, respect for elders, all of it. And it seems as if all they want to do in return is be out in the street, run crazy, go with a crowd that really is not all that um, healthy from an emotional and spiritual standpoint. Pastor, what do I do? What, what's the answer that you would give to a person knowing your own story who hears that and says, you know, I just I wish I could figure out what the key is to get my son or daughter to surrender to Christ? I think just live the life in front of them. Do your job as a parent and to be a demonstration, an example of faith in God and raise them up as the Lord has uh, instructed us to. And the rest is on the Lord. You know, we can't do the Lord's work as far as the work of the Lord in the spirit where the spirit transforms a person. The, The Lord through the spirit has to do that. And one thing for sure, the Lord gave my parents wisdom how to do, you know, some of my brothers and sisters, there's nine of us. Um, all of us didn't follow that path in the beginning. You know, uh, some of them drifted into their own lane trying to find their way. You know, my father would always say, go as far as your dreams will lead you. You know, find your own path, you know, but don't leave the Lord out of it. And um, they always instilled, you may not serve him now, but just, you're going to serve him one day. You know, you're going to serve him one day. And uh, there's some brothers and sisters that are not in the Lord as of yet, but that voice and that seed is in them. And so I say to parents who are listening, plant that seed. Water that seed with the love of the Lord. You know, the more you try to push a child into living for the Lord, the more they'll run away. But if you just love them, like the Lord says, with love and kindness have I drawn thee, it's not only for people outside of your family, but people in your family as well. Plant that seed and allow the Lord to work on their heart. Amen. And I guarantee you, if you water it with love and be that demonstration of the power and faith in the Lord, it may not be today, but they will be back. You, you pray over them and be an intercessor for your children and your family. And let me tell you, the power of God, amen, will show himself mighty and strong. God's word does not lie to us. Glory to God. If God said in the book of Acts, he would save your children and your children's children and as many as the Lord thy God shall call. Let me tell you, the word of the Lord is true. It may not be today. I even tell my own children, I have four. I tell my older children today, amen, you may not serve the Lord today. Amen. But because of the seed that's in you, oh, it's going to come forth. Oh, it's going to come forth. Glory to God. Go on, get involved in whatever you think you need to try. But after a while, let me tell you, the God that I put inside of you is going to stand up in your life. Our conversation today with Pastor Albert Macklin IV, Senior Pastor of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ in East Palo Alto. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. With us today is the senior pastor of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ, Pastor Albert Macklin. Pastor Macklin, let's pick things up where we left off just prior to the break. The word reminds us that his word does not go out and return to him void, Mm -hmm. but instead it goes out and it accomplishes his good 
pleasure. And yes, of course, yes, yes. we also know from Scripture what his good pleasure is, that none should perish, but that all of us should experience not just everlasting life, but walk in fellowship with him. So when you got the God creator of the universe chasing you, <laughs> you, know, you, you might be able to, in the shadows for a moment, you know, kind of scrunch down and hide or, 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 or maybe attempt to elude him. But the, 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 the hound dog of heaven, as they say, um, when God's got you, he's got you. Let me tell you, I have had some days trying to run from the Lord growing up. My teens, uh, right after high school, trying to fit in. You knew you were a pastor's kid. Um, people talked about you, church boy, you this and all that. And you try to, try to do all you can to make that not be true. Tried this, tried that. I tried to drink. I tried to smoke. I tried to party. Tried all that. Could, could never fit in. It just did not work. You know, for some reason, I go to the club or I buy sweet, sweet Jimmy's, silks, stargaze, palladium, all that stuff. All in those days of the 80s, I did all that. But let me tell you, never fit in. N never, ever fit in. Always was the oddball. Always was called the church boy, you know. And so God has a way that even when you try to run, he has a way of blocking some things. And I I'm grateful to the Lord that he did. You know, there are a lot of young people that I came up with didn't make it. There's a lot of young people that I grew up with today, far, far from the Lord. Glory to God. And I tell uh, my wife a lot of times, I'm, I'm blessed. It's not because of me. For some reason, the Lord selected me to live for him in this manner, you know, and I'm to be a witness to those that did not go as far as I did to remind them of what is in them and what God wants to do. Just like he saved me, he'll save them, you know, but for some reason, the Lord saved me when he did. You know, and I'm grateful to him. And, you know, I think that's something a lot of us struggle with, uh, you know, just that rebellious nature, that uh, that baseline sin nature that is inherent in all of us, that we want to go out and stretch our wings and sample the world and try it. Much like the prodigal son, we say, give me, uh, give me my inheritance now. I want to go out and live the yes. high life. And yeah. so we go out and we do it in his fast cars and, and, you know, airplane travel to exotic parts of the world and bottles of Hennessy filling the table or whatever, <laughs> whatever at all it might be. And at yeah. the end of the day, while we are seeking a sense of belonging, seeking yeah. a sense of satisfaction, ultimately yeah. seeking peace, mm. it eludes yeah. us because yeah. we're looking yeah. for peace in all the wrong Places. All the places. Trying to find yourself. Trying to find yourself. Trying to find out. You know what's what is uh, what is that niche for me? What what am I supposed to be doing? You know, uh, where am I supposed to be? Trying to find who you are. You know, and in doing that, I tell a lot of young people, even in our church, you're going to go through this season of growing up and maturing, trying to find that place. But whatever you do, hurry up and find it quick before the devil destroys you. Yeah. You know, you're going to try this and try that. You're a kid. You're a young, you know, you're going to try stuff. You're going to figure things out. But whatever you do, hurry up and figure it out. Because there's some things you'll try to sample may not let you come back or may not come back as a whole person. So many young people I know sampled this and sampled that. Mind gone, mind blown. You know, tried something one time and life just messed up and screwed up, you know. But, but I tell young people, hurry up. Find yourself quick. Let your life be lived to the fullest in the Lord, and you can reap the benefits of living for him. You know, so many times they get lost trying to find out who they are and where they're supposed to be in life. And um, now with the alternative lifestyles, people trying to just figure, you know, who am I and who I am not? And, and all of these different avenues the devil tries 
uh, in our families and in our children and everybody's family goes through it. But let me tell you to any young person listening today, find yourself, find yourself quick, my God, and spend your good days, my God, living in the blessings of the Lord. And perhaps to be prepared that if you are trying to find yourself and you do so truly and sincerely with eyes wide open Mm. at the moment when you discover who you are, if it is apart from Christ, you're probably going to find that that person looking back at you in the mirror is not somebody very nice, Mm. not somebody Mm. that you would want to have as a friend. Mm. And so, you know, the, the notion of, trying to find ourselves, just be careful who it is that you may ultimately uncover. God, on the other hand, um, is a seeker of lost men. God knows who we are. And, And the beautiful part of that story is that in spite of our wretched, lying, sinful condition, that me generation self-centeredness that we see so often in young people today, that in spite of all of that and how offensive that kind of behavior can be to very God himself, he nevertheless sent his son to die that while we were still trying to find ourselves, while My we were God. still sinners, yes. he went and died on that cross that on cross. our behalf because God yeah. so much wants to be reconciled with us, wants mm. to forgive us, and wants to walk in relationship with us. Yes, and yes, you know, yes. I, 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 and I'm sure that P- Pastor Dan, through your many years in, in full-time pastoral ministry, you probably preached many a funeral. I would suspect, though, through all those years, you have probably rarely heard anybody say in their dying moments, gee, if I'd only spent more time at the racetrack, gosh, if I'd only gone to that club a couple of more Saturday nights when I felt tired and I stayed, if I'd only done that that, uh, Mm. line of cocaine, then my life would be full. Nobody ever says that. Instead, they talk about if I'd only spent more time with my family. If I'd only really valued and cherished the things that God has blessed me with. Mm. And so rather than waiting to the very end when for many of us it's too late, um, why not now? Really carefully consider. If you're out there trying to find yourself, God, I think, would suggest to you, you're not lost. He knows where you are, and he's coming after you. My God, my God. You know, so many times when I have done funerals, especially for young people, I've done, I mean, countless funerals for young people that uh, lose their life. There's one particular uh, service I did. This young man um, killed himself. Um, and uh, at the funeral service, it was the saddest thing. It was just full of young people outside of our church. Our church probably seats about 300 or so people. And it was just as many outside as it was inside. And um it, it was the saddest thing that I've ever seen. So many young people that are living beneath the privilege of living out dreams and destiny and purpose, just lost, you know, uh, outside, uh, just smoking pot and, and just all around the church, just drinking and there to celebrate and talking about this is for my homie. And it, my heart was just grieved as we went to the gravesite and they in their cars, ghost riding with the doors open, sitting on the car, riding through the cemetery. My heart ached to see how many more children or young folks are going to go to the grave with unlived dreams, mm. unfulfilled potential and purpose. And it just ignited in me even the more to try to reach as many young people as I can. I, I can't stand to do another service of young people or a young person who dies, no purpose lived, no dream fulfilled, just lost. And I'm doing all I can to let young people know 
not only in the Bay Area, but everywhere I travel. My God, this is the time to live in the Lord. Whatever you're trying to fulfill, you can't do it by yourself. But with the help of the Lord in your life, bringing your life full circle, you can see, amen, destiny. You can see dreams fulfilled. My God, and that's my aim, and that's my goal. Now, Pastor, I'm going to ask a tough question here, and I I beg your indulgence and forgiveness in advance, but I think it's a critical one because there are those listening to our conversation right now who perhaps would say, all right, Pastor, I give you that. I, I hear what you're saying, but wait a minute. For you personally, you've already admitted here on the radio that at one point early on in your life, you lost your eyesight. If eyesight is a blessing from God, what happened that God removed that blessing? And and how is it that you can serve a God that has allowed you to lose one of the most important gateways to the world around us, our vision? What do you say to a person who would ask that question? I've been asked that many times. The greatest blessing, even though sometimes it could be frustrating, I think the greatest blessing in my life is to be able to be living the life with, as a person with no sight. Uh, the Lord taking my sight made me learn how to solely depend on him. I'm able to know God in a ways that other people never will. Um, to be able to live um, blind, see nothing at all. When I get up in the morning, it's the same as it was when I went to bed. You know, there's nothing out there. It's just empty space. I wouldn't say it's dark. Um, it's just nothing there. It's, I, I always use it in this interpretation. It's kind of like looking in the mirror and there's nothing there. You know how when uh, the, they say mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the, and they show this on TV and the mirror just goes blank and powdery or glary. It, it, it looks just like that. And um, for some reason, it calls me to have to totally, solely depend on the Lord. Um, when I leave the house and I go to work and I go by myself and either I'm taking an Uber or Lyft or public transportation or using my CNI dog, I have a CNI dog that travels with me. I've been using CNI dogs for years since I first went blind. Um, but the same concept of a mobility cane, a white cane that a blind person uses to find their way or a CNI dog, the exact way that I uh, portray the Lord in my life being blind. Where he leads me, I'll follow. You know, he's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, he directs me in all of my ways, acknowledge him, and he directs my path. You know, um, I could be angry, and there are some angry moments. I'm human. I'm flesh. I'm, st- I'm saved, and I'm born again, but I'm still a human being. I get frustrated when my computer doesn't act right or technology doesn't do its job or I'm stuck on a particular project. Go through all of those emotional aspects. But at the end of the day, it causes me to stay focused. For some reason, there was something the Lord didn't want me to pay attention to. There was something, amen, that would come up in my life that God did not want me to see that would detour me from his sense of purpose in my life. For whatever reason, this is my lot. This is the path that God selected for me. Maybe you would not be able to deal with this. Maybe another person wouldn't be able to deal with it. But for some reason, kind of like Paul, God has graced me, God, his grace, which is sufficient, amen, that when I'm weak, he's strong. Mm. And I believe that through this experience is allowing the power of God as Paul to rest mightily upon me. And so, yes, it's tough. Um, Sometimes I fight with it within myself, amen. But for some reason, it's keeping me safe. 
And, and hey, if this is what it takes to keep me saved and to make it into the kingdom of the Lord, amen, so be it. Our conversation today with Pastor Albert Macklin IV, Senior Pastor of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ in East Palo Alto. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. With us today is the Senior Pastor of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ, Pastor Albert Macklin. Well, Pastor Macklin, let's pick things up where we left off just prior to the break. Does it break your heart? When you see people, when you engage with people, when you minister to people that are fully sighted in the flesh, and yet you can tell from that dialogue that they are spiritually blinded, is it an even greater handicap? Oh, my God. Let me tell you, I have a book coming out really soon entitled, But Now I See. And it talks about my walk of faith at once seeing and now not seeing anything at all. And how the transition of going from seeing to not seeing. Um, I walk people in this book through the transition of sight to blindness. And in that transition, I'm able to say I see more now than I've ever seen. Mm. Um, And it's amazing how in the spirit that when the Lord, uh, my God, help me, Holy Ghost, when the Lord takes you through something like that, Glory to God. He never takes something away without without giving you something greater. And so um, the Lord has just awakened me up in the Holy Ghost to solely see through him. And I see more now than I've ever seen before. And um, I, I don't I don't for some reason at this point in the game, I don't think twice about it. It is what it is. And although I can't see, I do see and I see more now than ever. I'm reminded of that passage of Scripture. Though now we see through the glass darkly, mm. when we see him, meaning when we are called to heaven, yes. we shall be like him and we shall see him as he fully is. Woo. So yes, there's, there's a sense of which, and I, and I think that this is an amazing illustration, there's a sense of which all of us struggle with varying degrees of blindness. Now, it, we might fully have our sight, but spiritual blindness, that has eternal consequences to it, doesn't it? Mm, 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 mm. Let me tell you, being spiritually blind, my God, can lead you to down the pathway of a horrible death. And it don't mean you have to die immediately. Uh, but being spiritually blind to the things of God, glory to God. There is a way that seemeth right to man, but the end thereof is death. Glory to God. But um, you talking about um, being able to have the peace of God and the love of God and the joy of God as a blind man is nothing that I did. It's, it's all what the Lord has done. And I just encourage those of you who don't know him, those of you that are struggling with your faith, let me tell you, when you learn to live in the Lord and to live in God's will and walk in faith towards the Lord, you haven't seen your best days yet until you start living for the Lord. Glory to God. And whatever it is that you've gone through, sickness or affliction, uh, whether you've gone through uh, abuses, whether you've gone through habitual experiences or habits or hangups, strongholds, let me tell you, 
When you give your life to the Lord, you will find the sense of purpose in whatever it is you've gone through. I tell my Sunday, my church every Sunday morning, there's nothing you're in God can't get you out of. Whatever it is you're dealing with, God has purposed it to be so. Glory to God. Learn the purpose. Learn God's will in that thing. Learn your call. Begin to live your life to the fullest. And let me tell you, when you begin to say yes to the Lord, you'll never regret it a day in your life. And this really is, in a very real sense, training camp for all of us. That mm. the afflictions that vary from person to person, um, as we go through and learn how to manage our way through life, it is the lessons that God wants to teach us along the way as we are in training, so to speak, uh, mm. for heaven. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the script, I'm reminded of hearing uh, this phrase, I will know him as he is known. Glory to God. I will know him as he is known. And, 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 and as the Lord reveals himself through our various afflictions, you know, the things you go through that you think are painful or horrible experiences, God is in that thing. And when we learn to see God in whatever our afflictions may be, you will begin to know not only more about him, but more about yourself. I will know him as he is known to me. As God makes himself known to me, we're able to know him even more and even more. So whatever your affliction is, look for the Lord in it. Whatever it is, God is there with you. You are not by yourself. Some afflictions, my brother, we placed on ourselves. Everything, amen, has not always been the Lord leading us in there, but the Lord didn't stop it from happening. Glory to God. Some things, amen, we brought on ourselves. But even in that, the Lord can use it for his glory. No matter whose fault, don't try to find the blame or to point the finger. If I would have had my daddy, my daddy would have stayed with my mama and, and, and uh, I was in a foster home or I was adopted or, or we didn't have, we were uh, living on Section 8 or we lived in the ghetto. Don't worry about none of that. Find the Lord in it. Whatever has transpired in your life, find God's will in that thing and open up your heart and let the Lord use it for his glory. There's a passage where the disciples with Jesus come across the blind man. We're all familiar with this. Yes. And the question is posed, who here has sinned, Master, this mm. man or his parents? Yes. And the response that came back is something that caused, should cause all of us to pause and really think. He says, neither, meaning neither the man nor his parents have sinned, but mm. rather that the glory of God might be manifest in him. Mm. My, that my, in my, my weakness, he is strong. In our shortcomings, God yes. can not only compensate for that, but yeah. make up for it. And I would suspect, as you're here visiting with us today, Pastor Macklin, that the, the real heart cry it's not for the individual might say, oh, this poor pastor who has to be brought from place to place with a seeing eye dog or needs assistance from others, whatever it might be, this poor man. But think of the greater shame of not someone who is blind and has no choice about it, but rather somebody who's spiritually blind and is there so willingly, willfully, who has turned a blind eye to the call that God has placed on your life or who it is that God wants you to be as a man, a woman, a husband, a father, a mother, a sister. And that, friends, is where our pity should go to those who are intentionally and willfully 
blind. Pastor, what an amazing message. What an amazing story that you've shared with us today. And your lone life story, you know, the, the word says at the end of the day, they're overcomers by two things, by his word and the power of testimony. And um, Pastor Macklin, you certainly have a very powerful testimony, and we are so appreciative of you kind of uh, allowing us into your life and sharing a bit of your own story. Let's pivot for a moment, if we can, and talk a bit about the life of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ in East Palo Alto. Uh, You're there at 2170 Capitol Avenue. There may be folks that are new to the San Francisco Bay Area looking for a church home. Tell us a bit about the ministry. Um, Our ministry is 82 years old. We started on um, a street there called El Camino and Page Mill Road. That was our address years ago. We were right um, across the street from Hewlett Packard's beginning in a warehouse where Mr. Hewlett and Mr. Packard knew my parents. And their facility was right in front of our church. My father and mother would, and the church congregation raised funds to build the ministry and sold dinners for many days there to Mr. Hewlett and Mr. Packard's staff. And I believe Hewlett Packard is who they are because of the meals we sold them and they ate. (laughs) (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Amen. We never got a lot of stock back from it, but let me tell you, they sure ate that chicken and ate that potato salad. (laughs) Glory to God. But we were moved from Page Mill due to eminent domain. And that time that the industry was taking over Page Mill Road, the heart of Silicon Valley is Page Mill Road. And they moved us and we relocated to East Palo Alto back in 1968. It was just orchards and a a growing community there. And um, uh, from 1968 up until now, we're still there. Amen. And uh, the Lord has blessed our ministry. My father served 42 years. I've been serving around 17 years since his passing. And the Lord has graced us to make it safe thus far. Um, the, The thriving years Uh, of my father's ministry was about the last 20 or so years where um, the Lord allowed him to serve in the capacity of rehabilitation work where he dealt with men and women in transition. This was during the heyday of cocaine, heroin, and crack. And there were people on the streets. People were found dead in East Palo Alto daily. They were known as the homicide capital of the country. And um, it was through that time that a program called New Day lost their funding and the clients were thrown on the street, had nowhere to go. This was in the early 80s. And um, they came knocking on the door of our church and told my father, Reverend Macklin, we're in this program. We're trying to do better, but we don't have a place to go. And my father opened up the doors of our church and set up um, our first program on the second floor of our church. And he began to put cots all over the place and sleeping bags and told those gentlemen, stay here. And I'm going to find out what we're going to do next. And we had men all on the second floor of our church, um, had no place to go. And my father housed those guys. And at that time, he went, began to buy homes, began to rent homes. We had up to eight at one time, one 12-bedroom home, one seven-bedroom home, and others he purchased all around our church. He just got the congregation to help donate. Let's help these guys. And from that, it went from a men's program to a, a, a women's program included, along with women and children in one family home where he took families and persons off the street. We did not get grant monies. We didn't get federal aid all through contributions of our congregation. And we housed those people to help transition them off of drugs and alcohol and whatever your situation may be. Glory to God. And we begin to transition people's lives into the life 
of a believer for Jesus Christ. And um, from that, our ministry just grew by leaps and bounds. And many of those persons, the Lord saved and delivered and changed their walk of life. Glory to God. And um, from that, after my father's passing, uh, I had to downsize and try to recreate exactly I mean, how we would transition um, into this season for rehabilitation work. So now we're doing collaborative projects with other partners um, like Free at Last and Ecumenical Hunger Program and others. Um, but the Lord has graced us. Our, our mission for our church is that we're a church that loves God, loves others, and wants the world to know that life is better with Jesus. We are committed to providing a place where the lost are saved, Believers grow, the community is embraced, and Jesus is lifted up. I'm doing my very best to let the world know that life is definitely better with Jesus Christ. A beacon of hope grounded in God's Word. That very much describes the life and ministry of New Sweet Home Church of God in Christ. Again, they meet at 2170 Capitol Avenue. That's in East Palo Alto. And you can get more information on the web about the church, service times, and variety of ministries available to folks on the peninsula by simply going to NSH, think New Sweet Home, nshchurch.org. That's nshchurch.org. Pastor Albert Macklin, thank you so much for sharing your story, your passion for Christ. Um, The romance that you have with Jesus is very evident 